2: Have you ever been in a McDonald's and said, man, if I could own one of these, I would be killing the game? Well, you would for sure. Franchising is big, huge. Some would say the truth. So we drafted former NBA great Jamal Mashburn, who flipped the script and became the franchise king. With 80 stores in his arsenal, Jamal is the man with the plan and the guy to answer all of your franchising questions. Jamal brought along his partner in crime, Jonathan Sackett, so sit back and pot up. We are talking franchising with Jamal Mashburn and Jonathan
3: Sackett. Big
2: Sean, why are we doing a show about franchising with Jamal?
3: Well, let me just rewind, Arlington. You, let me just say it again. We got former NBA All-Star, New York Hustler, 50-point in on Michael Jordan, Jamal Mashburn <laughs> in the house, and marketing mega... Jonathan Sackett here to talk about for those don't for talk about how they have transformed richness into wealth through their businesses franchises and today we're going to break down this franchise hustle so as we say in New York let's get it poppin
2: Listen, man, no one says that in New York anymore. (laughs)
3: Let's get lit. Lit. (laughs) (laughs) See, and you're too old to say lit. You're too old to say
2: lit, and you showed your age with Get It (laughs) Pop. But the truth is, everything he said is true, folks. Jamal Mashburn, Jonathan Sackett in the building. We're talking franchise. Let's get it. Matt.
4: Thanks, Arlington. This sponsorship break is brought to you by clean clean is a financial literacy program designed to educate youth in a fun and interactive way through class lessons, workshops and web seminars to bring it to a school or organization near you. Please visit www.financiallyclean.com.
2: Welcome back to two black guys with good credit. We're talking like always straight talk for the financially curious. And I just have to say something, Jamal. Before we get into the whole franchising thing, I just want you to explain what it was like dropping 50 points on Michael Jordan in the 94-95 Dallas season. I need to hear this story. I
0: think we all need to hear this story. Well, well, it actually wasn't on, Michael
5: man. Jordan. It was actually Scottie Pittman. Michael Jordan actually retired that year and Scottie took over.
2: Okay, okay. All right. So Michael wasn't in the building. You dropped it on Scotty. I'll take that. Oh, I
5: did get I did get Michael for some things though. Don't worry (laughs) about
4: it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So
5: so I didn't let Michael off the hook completely when he came back. So so I've had a couple of thirties and forties on Michael, so I didn't keep him keep him off the chart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he also gave me thirty and forty, so it was pretty much a wash, you know what I mean? So
2: All right, cool. Well, we'll take that. We will definitely take that. And as we do every week to start this show, Dion, the lady with the facts, if you could um, bless us with the history of franchising in America.
0: And as you know, it's always a pleasure, Arlington.
2: Thank you, Dion.
0: So the franchise business model starts to appear all the way back in the Middle Ages. Not sure if you knew this, Mr. Mashburn. So amid all wow. the religious conflicts and the civil uprisings and the plagues, local governments had started giving you know, high church officials uh, a license to maintain order and taxes.
2: I think Sean got one of those licenses.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, medieval courts' lords were also giving individuals the right to hold markets and do business-related activities in return for royalties that gave them protection over commercial territory. So we see where that all began. So the first modern-day franchise business model, however, as we know it uh, today, was actually designed by I.M. Singer and Company. Uh, So the founder, Mr. Isaac uh, Merritt Singer, um, he had created the fastest sewing machine at the time in 1880. And he needed a way to you know, get his sewing machines to market. So that's when he started partnering with people around the country who were interested in the rights to sell his machines. And the rest is history. I
6: think you're making this up. I, I wish I could I, right?
0: I, <laughs> they, would, they would revoke they would revoke my lady with the fax card. Okay.
2: <laughs> so Jamal I have a big question for you. Yes. What was your first franchise? And did Chris Sullivan, the founder of Outback, play a role in that and also tell me how Rick Petino became a part of that start, that first team?
5: Well, Rick Petino, he actually recruited me when he was at Providence College um, in the 80s. And he met me at a camp called Five Star. Yeah, I was a highly recruited player. I was a top 25 player. And so when I decided to go on this course and this journey of um, being a high quality player I had to kind of figure out a process of my own because I didn't have anybody in my neighborhood that was going through a particular journey so I had to ask a lot of questions and I was always an observer so me right. playing with older guys I said you know what let me flip the script on how I'm going to be recruited instead of them recruiting me let me recruit them nice. and um, so I put together a list in my head all like I very rarely write anything down, you know. I, I just have the ability to retain things, and it just works better for me.
2: You're the Jay Z of sports.
5: Huh? I mean, I, I I recall a lot of things. I, I recall a lot of things, and sometimes things I don't need to recall. You know what I mean? And um, um, you know, so <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it's it's it's, 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 oh, a it's long yeah. So it keeps me up at night. You know what I mean? I don't sleep very well. You know, so but that's a blessing and a curse. But you know, I'll take it. Um, so I created a process, very simplistic one of where do I want to be and what do I want to do? And Coach Patino, when he recruited me, he was one of the first people to listen to what I really wanted. And that's by, he knew I wanted to be a professional basketball player, but I also told him, I want to carry a briefcase. He said, oh, okay. Actually, what's funny about that is, um, to me, the briefcase, when I used to ride the train to New York City and in Catholic school, some people thought the suit signify success. I always looked at the briefcase as signifying success. And to me, the briefcase represented my brain. It didn't actually mean the physical carrying of the briefcase. And so Coach Patino was like, okay. And so I got gauges from other coaches who recruited me, and they would look at me and say, why do you want to carry a briefcase? You're going to be a professional basketball player. So they dismissed that dream.
3: Mm -hmm. And
5: they didn't realize that those dreams were tied together. And Coach Patino realized that. So Coach Patino was like, I can help you with that. So Long story on how Coach Patino came a part of it, Chris Sullivan, uh, when I became a junior and I had uh, Coach Patino help me turn pro, um, he said to me, remember you want to carry a briefcase. Well, we're going to sit down and we're going to hire a business manager and an agent. Nice. And start along that process of being very intelligent or a savvy investor. And so I choose, I chose at an early age to take a different approach where I didn't want people to know what I was doing. And it didn't start coming out until after I stopped playing.
3: Can I take the elephant out the room? Mm-hmm. I'm going to put it out there. You try, you have a chip on your shoulder. You tried to break down the stereotypes because I'm this yeah. black athlete that can dunk a basketball. We're going to use my brain. Yeah, We're not going to use any of my other assets that you think I can only bring to the table, but I'm going to show them that there's another side of me. And if you don't respect that, if you don't take that in, then we're not going to do business together.
5: Correct. I just looked at it where I'm not going to, dollars really don't matter to me. And I think it's, um and what I mean by that, dollars do matter. It helps you do certain things, helps other people do certain things, but um that's not the core of me. But Coach Patino introduced me to Chris Sullivan and at the time Chris Sullivan was starting Outback and he was looking for limited partners and specifically um people that had income that can take the opportunity to to to, to um to participate. So that's how so I was got started. So was Outback
2: the first franchise?
5: First franchise, th- and I was th- a lim- that you
2: bought was bought into was Outback.
5: Yeah, I was a limited partner in that. So that's when I started to understand structures.
3: Okay. And
5: um, um, so Did we you buy
3: one at one Are you bought a We bought we
5: bought kind of like interest in a number of different stores. So we kind of de-risk it in a lot of ways. So I had interest in. 40 stores in Northern Off California. Uh, well, we grew into that. And, um, and
2: that was oh, while you were wow. playing
0: basketball?
5: Yeah, while I was. That was my first oh, this investment. Is still
0: happening yeah. while you're playing football,
5: yeah. so. still
2: playing, yeah. I didn't was, realize uh, that.
0: Yeah, this was, yeah, this, yeah. Is,
5: this was probably, I was fortunate enough to, at that particular time when I got drafted in 1993, that I had a sneaker contract. Bela gave <laughs> me a lot of money at the particular time, um, because at that time they were giving out a lot of money to, to uh high profile players and
3: you bought steak with it
5: and, and and yeah actually and that's what happened and so I already had um dollars already set aside before I even got drafted and um so that's how it all started for I, me
3: I, I always like to say in business and we I teach financial literacy and I always tell my students you know don't be desperate don't sow desperation because desperation shows vulnerability and what you've done, regardless of the dollar amount, as we always try to tell our listeners, you leverage your situation and your audience, your employers knew that, hey, I'm not desperate. I have other hustles going on. I've diversified my portfolio. And when you got that big check, because I truly believe we all have an opportunity to get a sizable amount of money. Mm-hmm. It may be $5 million to you, maybe $5,000 mm-hmm. to somebody else. But if you leverage and use that money properly, it can grow into other things. With me, I got my first bonus from Wall Street I instead of everybody went and bought motorcycles, bought, went on trips, I used that to buy my first property. From then mm. I began able to flip properties. Now you mm. said you used that to start your real business. Instead of the feline money, you didn't feel out with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you yeah. invested yeah. it.
5: Yeah. yeah. Oh, I did some things that yeah, I was you some, know, yeah, like, you yeah, like know, I was twenty years old. I'm like, i you going to go yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I and yeah. I agree with yeah. that
3: philosophy as well yeah. too, because yeah. you want to enjoy I mean life is a journey. I don't correct. believe in waiting until you get sixty five to say I'm gonna start living correct. now. Correct. You're like, hey, a portion of this I'm gonna enjoy but a part of it I'm gonna reinvest in me. And Totally diversify from the NBA. The selling stakes and playing basketball—two separate entities have nothing in common. If one is up, the other is down. They're totally separate. So yeah, and one of the well, things- they do
2: have one thing in common. It's called franchises. There you yes, go. They hey. do. And Dion, you can you give me the definition of a franchise, please?
0: Absolutely. So it it's a legal and commercial relationship between the owner and the trademark, um, the brand name. Uh, advertising symbol, and uh, the individual. So that's the franchisor has the trademark. The individual is the franchisee, right? And um, the franchise governs the method of conducting business between the two parties. Would you agree?
5: I I would say, you know, as I got involved in the franchise business, um, it it happened by, actually, I never even thought I was going to be in the franchise business. When I was young I just wanted to be an entrepreneur. You know, I've turned away deals because it wasn't the right partner. Right. Um, it wasn't the right situation, it didn't feel right. Even if all the research and all the numbers looked well, I look beyond the numbers. Mm-hmm. And I think anything is franchisable. But I think that's a catch twenty two for a lot of people because they also think their idea is franchisable. Mm-hmm. And um <laughs> that's not that's not everybody wants to like I get pitched a lot of times on people, well I have a gym and I, I think I want to franchise. And I'm like, well, why do you want a franchise? So you don't even have um you don't have the support, you don't have the infrastructure, you haven't um built a a, a standard of operating procedure, you haven't mm-hmm. um you don't have the new data of how somebody should open up a business or why they should open up it in that particular area. What type of resources and tools? Um you're too asset heavy. You're still operating your business, you haven't grown into that. So for me, I've looked at myself as a business guy that happens to be in the franchise space.
3: Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this now. You know, you talk about pro athletes and kind of elite athletes like myself. And yeah, you, there you go. You know, there you go. Yeah. But there's <laughs> right, like common Shawn, people out there. You should see like, Sean's
2: jump shot. There's it's, common it's, it's people out there
3: like, like Arlington, you mm-hmm. know, I would call him. He's my friend of 20 years, but he's common. You know, so how would you think... <laughs> 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 With a much better jump shot. <laughs> right. Can Dude. franchises be great for, you know, people like Arlington? For the average Joe and Jane, is, you know, do you think it's a great opportunity? Hey, I'm the working the man. I'll tell anybody. I am
2: it? the working man.
5: That's a great question because there's a lot of ways you can go about that and the way that I looked at it for the um person who do you have capital um what is your expertise A little bit I got a little something Yeah what is your expertise
2: I got and, a little of that All right.
5: Okay you got expertise let's define that expertise um oh. and uh <laughs> we yeah, yeah we got we got we got to get in that particular frame and then what is the perfect match, and what are you willing to do? Most people look at franchising as, you know, uh, um, the, the McDowell's guy on Coming to America. You know, he made a bunch of money, you know what I mean? And, and uh, he's living a great life and all those different things. But what they didn't show you was that he was actually working the business. It turned into 18-hour days. So for me, um, I'm always, even though I'm in the franchise business, I'm always leery of directing people in the franchise space today. And why I say that is because the franchise space has really changed and really evolved. It's no longer mom and pop. What I mean by mom and pop is one store, two stores. Mm. It's become more of can you grow out areas and can you accumulate regions? You know, um, that's when private equity entered into the game because they're looking for returns. They're looking for cash flow. Are you a development person? Um, meaning, are you going to develop an area? That takes capital. Right. Are you a guy that's right. going to be, that wants to acquire a store? That takes experience in understanding how to cut expenses and how to judge uh, different franchises. So, entering into the franchise game has really been an interesting ploy from the standpoint of franchisors have become asset light. So, they're basically pulling off the, the heavy risk of real estate, um, um, and operations to get people to purchase into their system where they can just basically sell you the, um, the playbook essentially, you know? So Dion,
2: don't you have a stat
0: about that? Huh. I sure do. So I think Dion
2: had a stat about that. Cause it's interesting what you're saying,
0: Jamal. Just you an idea. According to the international franchise association, uh, the estimated number of franchise locations in the U S is now close to 400,000 in 75 industries. So actually franchises are employing over 10 million workers at this time. Uh, They're saying 2,500 companies offer franchising opportunities. So the average Jane and Joe are are stepping up.
5: Yeah. And so you have to ask the question on the flip side is, if something is so valuable, why would people want to give it away or have somebody pay a royalty for it? So the way I've always looked at it is, I want to be a part of an exclusive club where people can't access.
4: Mm-hmm. There's
5: value to that. So if I'm a new business and I only have 10 locations, mm-hmm. why am I so willing to give up that upside to somebody else? Because right. it's part of their initial plan is to lay that risk off on somebody else. Um, if you think about how McDonald's and, and not how McDonald's grew, but like, for example, Chick-fil-A. It's very hard to get a Chick-fil-A franchise. They just opened one near my house. They'll actually partner with you, but you can only grow to f- maybe three to four locations. They'll do all the build-out. They'll do all that. They'll keep the real estate. So you actually become an employee of theirs. Ah. And why is that important? If you go to any Chick-fil-A, they probably have the best service in the fast food industry. And because of their culture, their, 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 um, their teaching, their training, a lot of that, when you pass it off to other franchisors, becomes diluted. Service tends to go down. So if I'm Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A remains private. in and out remains private. They don't hand out franchises. So I ask the question myself, well, do I want a Chick-fil-A or do I want a McDonald's? Mm-hmm. Well, I probably want a Chick-fil-A because they won't let me in. Same thing with NBA teams. Why do so many people want to buy them at these high valuations? There's value to it. They don't allow so many people in, so I'm always leery of franchises, and and um, uh, from the standpoint that there's so many of them, and you're probably doing yourself a better
3: service
5: to open up your
3: own business.
0: Hmm. Interesting. You interesting. Oh the wow! Franchise king.
3: Well, yeah. I know, Breaking news. I know you've been sitting <laughs> yeah. there. I've known you for a month plus, maybe longer, and I've never seen Jonathan Sackett so quiet.
6: <laughs> <laughs> he is tamed by the, So... I oh, I'm just ramping up, man. I'm getting ready. Let's I go. I'm going to
3: give you the mic. I'd love to know how you and Mr. Mashburn are hooked up because you guys are the, the successful odd couple, I would yeah. like to say.
6: Yeah. Um... You know, J- Jamal wasn't a very good basketball player when I met him. So after, <laughs> after years of coaching Jamal on a jump shot, look look where he's yeah, come. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it was funny because uh, I was living in New York at the time, and uh, I w- had a, what was my title, chief something of yep. North America at Ogilvy or whatever. And Jamal and I had some mutual friends, acquaintances, I would say. Mm-hmm. I, had, I told you guys this story last night. Um, I went to dinner with T.I., and uh, I got stiffed with the bill of 1400 bucks. You remember this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't <laughs> Yeah, he wasn't. Jamal, Jamal wasn't there. That's why I got the bill. Yeah. So anyway, uh, these acquaintances of ours said that Jamal wanted to meet with me because he was spending so much money on a monthly basis on his marketing and advertising. And he said he wanted to know what he was getting for it. So, you know, Jamal's a student of the game so that night after a couple of miscues we ended up going out for dinner and in my basement i had a full basketball court so after dinner we jamal and i came back and there was like three guys with suits with us and we were drinking some blantons uh at two in the morning
0: and (laughs) shooting the visual
6: and we were shooting baskets and uh i'll never forget this jamal sunk Nine three-pointers in a row and missed the 10th. And I said, oh, that's why you retired. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> but that night, I, I'll never forget, Jamal, after, you know, we were talking business and shooting baskets, and he said, well, why don't you join me? Why don't we do something together? That's how the marriage began. Yeah.
3: And there you go. Nice. Quick question
6: for you. You didn't walk in here with the briefcase.
3: Mm-hmm. You were that guy that envisioned it on the train and so forth. Now fast forward to you know, your life now, do you, and you're, and I know I'm my worst critic. Do you believe you're that guy on the train now with the black briefcase? Um, You know,
5: um, haven't arrived yet. Um, still learning. Um,
3: so you're not that guy yet? Nah. 80 franchises, successful NBA career, all-star, you're not that guy?
5: Mm-mm, nah, I mean, um, I, had a, I had a coach tell me one time, and it was Pat Rowley one time, and he said to me, if you thought you arrived, that's been your decline. And I Great broke line. I broke it down from the standpoint of, you know, um that decline and you where you're at in your process and where you're at in your journey. I've always been a guy that's been a worker. I mean, my philosophy has evolved over a period of time. I'm at a particular point. I'm forty-five years old, accomplished a lot. My philosophy has evolved where I'm now in a mode of helping others. There's a reason why I'm doing this particular show with you guys, because I think it's my duty and responsibility to share some information that I have. So I'm at a particular point where I'm going to continue to grow in the business world, but... It's also to help others who want to receive that information that I have. There's a lot of pent up information in me, and it takes some people to draw it out of me. Um, oh, that's
2: our job. Yeah, That's exactly. our job. <laughs> exactly. So exactly. exactly. That's
5: our that.
4: job. Exactly. Well, we're sitting <laughs> exactly. With Jamal
2: Mashburn. We are talking about franchising. And man, he has a lot to share. It's all good information. Sit tight, two black guys with good credit. We're getting it. Jamal Mashburn, Jonathan Sackett. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit. We are hanging with Jamal Mashburn, the franchise king and his partner in crime. Jonathan, Jamal, will you just do one commercial for me, sack it?
3: (laughs) I like that. I like that. I like that. I
6: like that. that.
2: So there's a saying in the franchising world, Jamal. You're in business for yourself, but not by yourself because you have a lot of support. Can you? expound upon that for the person that, that, for our listening audience.
5: Well, you have you have a lot of support. I mean, you have a brand. You have um, um, help with operations. You have help with marketing. Um, you have different people from the franchisor um, who can help you uh, with different things. Uh, they, they they should, if they're a viable franchise and been around for a long period of time and have seen a landscape change, they, they should be uh, evolving with the time. So... Um, a lot of the big ones can help you with with uh, financing as well um, so there's there's definitely a lot of support um, there's definitely a lot of um, a help um, but as as you know there's no guarantees in life there's no real um, uh, you're definitely going to win obviously that comes down to how much you know about the business know about the market that you're in and sure. um you know comes down to also too at the at the basic end of the day supply and demand in that particular market.
2: Jamal franchises we all know are a turnkey system, right? Mm-hmm. But they often cost more and they can reach profitability faster than if you just start a business on your own. But the question is does the reward outweigh the cost because often franchises can be 250,000 k to start. There's fees, there's leasing, there's equipment, there's build out. Is the risk versus the reward? And remember, previously you gave a breaking news statement. I don't always vouch for the franchise.
5: Yeah, I mean, um, so the way I've always looked at that is you got to really look at, you know, cost of entry. What are those fees? I mean, there's a a franchise franchise disclosure documents that should um, tell you what those fees are. But obviously, there are always costs that just pop up. Um, And then also data of one thing that I always ask is um, Are they on the cut, cutting edge of um, retrieving data? And what I mean by that is Can you tell me from a numbers perspective and how did you accumulate this information why a franchise will be good in this particular location? Not just mm-hmm. from the realtor, but from the franchise. What are the rooftops? Why is Starbucks in a particular location? And then there's a lo- another location three blocks down. There's a mm-hmm. reason for that. You know what I mean? They see their sales jump. There's more people they can penetrate, more people they can serve. Uh, um, right. they look at, uh, you know, uh, household income in that particular area. Where's the development going in that particular area. So there's a lot of questions other than, than just, you know, cost of entry. I think a lot of people look at, Oh, low, low cost of entry. Uh, let me get in, but, um, um, and think, that there should be involved in that particular franchise because they utilize that service or they utilize that product, and that shouldn't be, always be the case.
6: Well, I think there, I, I would just add to that that there's, there's risk-reward, right? And there's also an interdependence right. of the parts because we were talking at the break about um, we, I used to head up Global McDonald's uh, for the agency, and I always found there's an adversarial relationship in a lot of cases on a lot of issues between the franchisors and the franchisees. So, you, you know, you got to, being at an agency, and, and, you know, we've got Allscope.com right now, we play referee a lot. So, you know, the, if you guys remember the lawsuit for Burger King, that, that the, the risk-reward factor was that they, the franchisees sued the franchisors because the offers the agency was making was losing them money. Mm-hmm. So, right. it's, you know, Jamal talked about brand. It's not just building the brand. There's got to be a trust factor that all three of those components between agency, franchisor, and franchisee can, can work together and come to a solution. And that, that, to me, has been one of the hardest things about franchising.
5: Um, for me, I always look at, you know, need, supply and demand in that particular area. Mm-hmm. Um, do you need another burger joint when you've got six other burger joints? Do you need another f- fast food restaurant? Probably not. You know, if you're in a um, a high income area in certain places, do you really want a franchise or do you want something authentic? You know what I mean? I mean, Mm -hmm. um, things have changed. Things have really changed in the franchise business where people are not, especially millennials, people don't, millennials don't really trust franchises. You know, you know, they look at the experience, the, 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 uh, their relationship with that particular, they're more community oriented. And um, so and so you have to. That's really changing. I mean, you have to look at it from that particular spectrum. You know, coffee houses are popping up.
2: But can I push back on that for a minute, Jamal? Mm-hmm. Like where I live in where I live out here in Westlake, California, we literally have in probably a six block radius ten Starbucks, mm-hmm. and they keep opening these little drive through Starbucks where you just drive up, make your order, and and drive out. But. When you say millennials don't believe in franchises, they're opening every time I turn around, there's a new Starbucks in my neighborhood.
5: I look at that particular analogy of six Starbucks opening up is they actually have data within their stores of, you know, they actually know what a store should be generating. Like, I don't know what the numbers are. Let's just throw a roundabout number, a million Mm dollars. So then they say, okay, well, it's met that demand We can open up another store. But then look at it on the other flip side of it is if you're if you're a developer or a a landowner, wouldn't you want a Starbucks in your particular piece of property? You know, so you're almost it's, it's a catch 22. It's like if I'm a developer of a particular area, I want a Starbucks as an anchor. Right. You know, um, um, so it, you kind of got to look at it of what that relationship is.
6: Yeah, it, you know, the one thing is the bigger companies, and, and like I said, having worked with McDonald's, a lot of times what they'll do is they've got a concept and a software called hexagramming, and what a hexagram does is it will isolate the in the household income, the easy right turn, the geography, the real estate, uh, and it will give you it'll give you a. Um, uh, a numerical way that you can calculate if it's going to be profitable or not so oh, well, if you look into hexagram that the, the it'll, there's t- online tutorials that'll show you how they do it
3: ah. so that's an easy question two guards power forward small forward center and coach are what's needed to be successful on the court what type of players or professionals are needed to be successful in the franchisee world um
5: that that's a uh... That's a heavy question. Um, <laughs> that's, I think that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a heavy <laughs> question. Okay. We 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 struck out the um what those players are being defined, and then you add success in there. And to utilize sports is that as as we're working in back into uh the business world, it's to find success. The success is to win a championship, right? So if you just have two guards, a power forward, a small four and a center. Now, you got to go to what are the quality of those players? Are those quality players? Um, are they at the high level? In the NBA world and even at the college basketball world, you need three all stars to win a championship. It's been proven LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosch. Now,
1: the. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices.
7: Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.
5: They all serve their different purpose. They're all superstars. So in the franchise world, same thing. In the business world, same things. Who's your quality player? What type of style of player are you playing? Um, uh, Do you have a world-class CFO? Chief financial officer, numbers guy. Do you have a great operator? You know, do you have a um, a, a good marketing person? And they don't.
3: LeBron.
6: If you guys don't mind, I'll, I'll interrupt here. Uh, you need a great advertising yeah. guy.
2: I think <laughs> yeah. That's what's doing. We're like guy LeBron. Yeah. Jonathan's
6: like his idea. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs>
2: so
5: so my, my my personal thought is is. Um, you know, and you know, sometimes you don't have great any of those, and you have people that mess together team wise and chemistry wise. So, obviously, you want quality people. Um, you need quality people in your staff and different things like that. And also, you need a culture to be developed as well. You know, um, how do you train people? How do you retain people? Is one of the main things, and in, 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 in the way that I look at it. And the other thing that I always kind of capture me and my business partner is. How are we helping them grow within the team?
0: That's a true leader. You
5: know, um, because at the end of the day, I've been a part of concepts and we're part of a concept in Lexington, Kentucky called Boot Camp. And and the gentleman who operates our Papa John's, he wanted to get involved in it. Okay, so we'll we'll go ahead and we'll participate in your partner and being in that. Because I want him to grow and I want him to be satisfied. And um, my also philosophy is when you find great people, Give them equity stake in the company.
3: I so believe in that. You
5: See, know. I
2: agree with that. I know Sean does. But I wanted to ask you, what about like lawyers to help you get through the con- the, the initial contracts and understanding that component or like having a business manager or consultant to help you navigate the financial components of the deal?
5: Yeah, I, I don't think in the, in the initial part of it, I don't think you need to have all this in-house. I, I think that at, um, the way I'm talking about is how my businesses and infrastructure is constructed today.
2: Right. Yeah. Take it back to the first, the first, the first deal,
5: the first guy, consultants, are are good. You got to find the right consultants. I know plenty of those. Um, uh, the attorney to me, that's a service provider. You know what I mean? I mean, that's a guy that you, you hire by the hour and different things like that. They can look over the documents and, and, uh, uh, you know, draft, a. A particular contract agreement. yeah and are you
2: drafting that agreement or are you being given an agreement that you may may be able to modify or just have to
5: accept i was a little different because we had capital and we had experience so we can actually negotiate franchise fees and we're we're buying a particular franchise in bulk so we negotiate right. certain things in certain terms you know deferment of this deferment of that what has value you know um and then you also got to look at it from the standpoint of, you know, at the end of the day, are you financeable? That's okay. a big question. You know? Okay. Are you financeable? What is your credit? You know, what is what is uh, right. what type of access of capital do you
2: have? You know, because, right? that's what we're talking about.
6: You know. Well, the one thing that I'd add to that too, though, is that and Jamal, you can argue this one, but but uh Jamal's always gone at things boldly. Mm-hmm. So even when he probably didn't quite have the qualifications to go bold, he still did it anyway.
5: Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's, it's for me, It's uh, I've always went out and found that partner that can... I was always good at identifying not only what I have, but really being clear in what I don't have. And I think that's the athlete in me, and that's something that was ingrained in me at a young age, um, self-taught and also by Hall of Fame coaches of... What are my weaknesses and my deficiencies? What are they? I can't go left. Well, I need to work on my left hand. How do I how do I go about that? I can't shoot a jump shot. What is the correct way of shooting a jump shot? You know. Um, so I've always evaluated and looked at the the um, what I don't have and how do I acquire it. Most people just look at the upside of things. I right. look at the downside of things.
3: So let me ask you a question now. Leading into that, what? Two questions I have for you. You mentioned the word credit. Do you, do you like manage your credit, look at your credit score like everybody else does? Oh, yeah, and, of course. And, 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 oh, that's great to hear because credit still plays an important part in your business. Oh, of today. course, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, take the elephant out of the room once again. We're all in business. You know, part of ma- going in business is to make money. Mm-hmm. So when you look at a franchise and look at an opportunity, what kind of return on investment are you looking for? What should our listeners think of as a decent return if they were to get into a franchise?
5: It's all. It's all. Uh, I mean, you know, you'll. you'll it's interesting. An interesting question, and obviously, a return is broken down in a lot of different ways. You know, you can look at it from a lifestyle perspective. What do you need for growth? Um, what do you need to maintain your particular lifestyle? Are you um, saving money? There's a lot of ways to look at it, and I think when you get first get in the business world, everybody's pitching you on a twenty percent return. I gotta have a twenty percent realistically how many 20 percent returns have we seen right
3: <laughs> 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 you know what i mean so i mean trying to beat the rate of inflation yeah some extra in your yeah body.
5: exactly yeah. i mean i mean I, I i look at it from a, a realistic standpoint people put, pitched all these hot pie in the sky things but you're not really getting a 20 percent return at the end of the day i mean um you know is it a six percent eight percent you know uh um you know Looking at the stock market, what's the stock market throwing off? You know, obviously politics come into play in that, you know, and different things like that. What people believe and trust, and and different things. So it's all relative. That's a loaded question, you know. I can sit here and say I'm looking at okay, I want a 10 percent return, but how is that how is that justified? You know, um, um, you know, everybody's different. Uh, what industry is that? Is that market? You know, um, could you beat the market? You know, are you running your business efficiently? So I think it just that, that, that becomes a, a crutch I think people are looking for. And, you know, be a part of your business, run your business, be the best you can possibly be.
2: So let's talk about the fees. We've talked about profitability. We've talked about opportunity, location, teams. Let's talk about the fees. The average royalty fees paid by a franchisee to a franchisor range from 3 to 6% of monthly gross sales and can be up to 10% on net. What's up with that?
5: Hey, so that's a, that brought me to my point of understanding what business you're really in. And that's okay. the difference in franchising. I've always liked franchise ors that have a stake and have a, a stores that they're operating because then they start to understand the fees and how it impacts the operator. Right. So you have to understand what business you're in. and 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 I I I tell people, it's like, okay, are you really, are certain franchises in the business of that particular service or product, or are they in the marketing business?
2: Oh, interesting. What's an example of a franchise that's in the marketing business versus a franchise that's in the business of that service? Well, they're all in the
5: marketing business, and it's just how heavy they are in. And what I mean by marketing business is are they marketing it to justify? What their value is on the street if they're a publicly traded company? Are they marketing it to within the franchise system to acquire more franchisees? Are they in the business of actually operating the business to make it as efficient as possible so that the franchisees can be profitable?
6: Or some combination. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah, so that's how I've always looked at it. So when you start to look at royalties and you start to look at a company that is asset-light, meaning they don't operate any business, that tells me that they're in positioning themselves to sell at some level. You know what I mean? They're not going to be your partner for a long period of time, Um, uh, meaning the the core of that business. They may be selling out to private equity firms and different things like that. I mean, you can look at any any business. I mean... um, I'm trying to think of one comes to mind. Nothing's coming uh, uh, to mind right now. For example, a lot of people... I've had Dunkin' Donuts before. Great brand. But I've always had this argument with Dunkin' Donuts. And I said, are you guys a national brand or a regional brand? They're like, oh, we're a national brand. We do national commercials. But to me, you're a regional brand.
4: Yeah, Yeah, they're regional. That's Mm -hmm. true.
6: Absolutely.
5: You know what I mean? So my... My thing on Dunkin' Donuts is, okay, so if a store is doing well in the Northeast, that's because people grew up on Dunkin' Donuts. They consume yeah. coffee differently in the yeah. Northeast. They consume it all day. And in the Midwest, they consume it in the morning time. They don't consume it in the evening. You know what I mean? I don't. And they come and get donuts. I don't want you to come and get a donut at Dunkin' Donuts. I want you to come in and get coffee. That's my high-margin product.
6: Right, because it's wild. Right. Yeah. Right.
5: So, so in, and if I'm in the Midwest, I'm looking at it from the standpoint of, okay, people are not coming in my store every day to get coffee at 9, 10 o'clock at night. They're not using the store in the same way people in the Northeast as a congregation spot, Wi-Fi, and all these different things. Shoot, I still have labor here at four o'clock. Can I close the store at twelve o'clock?
6: Right.
5: Can I close the store at one o'clock? But the people in the northeast are looking at me and say, Well you're not meeting your numbers. Well they consume the product and it's taken me a long time to educate the consumer on what the product is, other than just a breakfast brand. Well,
6: that's right. But you get, you know, Dunkin' Donuts trained you not to stay there all day. Correct. Right? Correct. So I, now, if anybody from Dunkin' Donuts corporate is listening, I want to volunteer this idea: Jamal Mashburn is Dunkin' on Dunkin'. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
5: I mean, and not, and, and it's it's a it's a great brand, but it's it's a great brand. But I've always had this conversation, and even with my business partner, is like, okay, well, what is it? You know what I mean, and sometimes we can get fooled in because people are participating in national ad campaigns that it's a national brand. It's a national no, it's brand by their ad spend, yeah. but how think people Duncan go through stores. East Coast brand. Yeah, it's an East Coast brand. It's They're Coast trying to brand. evolve into a. But national. just
0: to just to break it down for you, because we've talked about marketing how heavily how important that is. Um, you pay a fee for that, everyone. Mm-hmm. So that averages about two percent, also monthly, of your sales. So keep that in mind. It in addition to the monthly,
5: yeah, it could be royalty. more. I mean, yes, uh, that's we, average. We paid more in uh, uh, when Papa John's was with the NFL as a national sponsor. We paid more in advertising, but you got to think about it from the standpoint of pizza and football. Sundays makes perfect sense.
0: Yeah, no, it makes you know, sense. You can go up to 12%. Yeah. You're, you're yeah, absolutely yeah, right yeah, on average. So right. And, then don't, and don't forget, you've got your monthly royalty fees. I just want to really break it down for everyone. So there's the monthly fees for royalties,
2: right? right. There's the
0: upfront one cost fee, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> don't forget that as well, in addition to the marketing fees. So just really keep all of that in mind when you're trying to process whether or not this is something that you want to. Well, that leads into a good question. With. I know,
3: Jamal, you buy more in volume, but do you think, in your experience, that the typical person can negotiate a franchising fee. If I wanted to open up a Dunkin' Donuts. Like one? One dog? How are you doing? Yeah, do I'm trying won. to get, uh, get in. Oh, okay. So
5: let's ask some more. Out. Okay, so, okay so, so let's 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 be clear on that. You're going in and buy one Dunkin' Donuts. One Dunkin' okay. Donuts? So you go to Nike uh, and you buy one one pair of sneakers.
3: Flap <laughs> One.
5: Do you think you're really going gonna <laughs> they give you the discount on that? Yeah. <laughs> so, so
3: it's standard. I,
5: yeah, well, I mean, it's it's certain. Yeah, it goes with anything. Your purchasing power, right? You know, I mean, um, um, obviously, if you're doing, if you're going in there to buy twenty existing stores and you have the right to develop an area, they're going to cut you a break on on um, on uh, on fees, obviously, because they make it up in volume. But if you're going in there to buy one store or develop one store, I don't think it's going to be um, that feasible.
2: Wow. All right. Well, what now obviously if Sean and I and Dion want to open one store, it's not the best thing for us to do. Yeah. 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 One store, one rib. That's not a good idea. But what happens if the franchise fails? Do you get help on a sinking ship or suppose they do something to negatively impact the brand? Like say something crazy. What's your recourse?
5: Um, that's a great question. I mean, um, you know, there's a obviously there's a commitment that they're selling to you as far as, um, you know, their processed, also product and different things like that. I mean, I'm sure there's recourse. I've never had that experience where, you know, the product was was malfunctioned or or, or you know, there was some type of hiccup in a supply chain or anything like that. I'm sure there's recourse well,
2: remember, to that. Remember Chipotle? Chipotle had a problem with their food, and then Chick-fil-A had the guy that came out and was like, he's against uh, the homosexual community.
6: Well, yeah, yeah, that's right. Chipotle's problem, though, was because they were dealing with uh, local distributors. So yeah. that's, I mean, that, that, but that if you ant, own
2: one, but people are still kind of looking at it suspect. Well, there's a Chipotle know, in Malibu, and people always say, nah, I don't really eat Chipotle anymore.
6: No, that's right. And I think it's interesting because Jamal and I, when we first met that night, we were talking about the McRib. Mm-hmm. And you got to remember do you guys know why the McRib is a burger of, uh, you know, a, it's only offered like quarterly? Do you guys know why? I do.
2: Yeah, I do. You it's told me the other night. It's,
6: it's, 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 it's because... You cheater. It's, um, it's because the pork prices. Because McDonald's single-handedly depletes the world's pork supply when they offer the McRib. And yes, there's real pork in there. But so it, in I'm going to say this.
3: You know, being from the hood, I've been to McDonald's and other places so many times. All in the hood were like, they don't have any fries? Like, you ran out of ribs? Like
5: well, That's they, an inventory issue. That, I mean, yeah, so that's a Does that give you excusable. reason to
3: say, like, you know... Is it a is it a franchisee problem? Is it a franchisor problem? Like mm-hmm. when they they they're constantly running out of things and they're not meeting kind of the expectation of the franchise. Um,
5: that's I, I mean no, that's I uh think. like for example, you mentioned Chipotle. I've never looked at a Chipotle, but I don't think they're franchised. You know, I think they're privately owned and privately held. I know at the beginning, McDonald's was a partner in Chipotle, right. um, and they sold their interest. So the way I've always looked at it is, you know, that's an inventory issue. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, the way I've always looked at franchising is, is what's my cost? Can I control my cost? And in certain businesses, and I looked at Dunkin' Donuts from that standpoint is you're basically managing expenses. You know what I mean? I mean, um, Dunkin' Donuts is a prime example. Um, There's a Uh, uh, when I looked at Dunkin' Donuts, you're always managing costs. So sometimes that impacts the experience of the customer because you don't have certain things, you know what I mean? Um, And then also the quality of the donut. Is it overnight? Is it fresh? You know, do we have to throw out certain things? So when I look at the maturation of a business over, let's say, a three-year period, you know, you're going to have to figure out what your customer's, or your partner's desire. You know, they may want to come in there and they only want a jelly donut one day, but we only have one, but they're not selling. You know what I mean? So we can't <laughs> carry all these jelly donuts because at the end of the day, we're throwing away 12 of them, right. you know? I mean, so it's, it's, it, it becomes a fine line in understanding your customer base, and that's always changing. And that's why I say franchising is very tough because there's not that flexibility of you to change a particular process on the fly.
2: But what I'm trying to get at, Jamal, is is there a recourse if something negative is done by the franchisor?
5: And when you say recourse, you mean like um, like what, legal what happens? Action? Like
2: the guy, some, the owner says something crazy. My my business declines by 10 or 15 percent. Is there what do I do? I just have to eat it and try and fight through it because that's an intangible that I actually can't control.
5: Yeah, it's a tangible you can't control. And, you know, there's... Uh, in these particular documents, I mean, there's language that um, doesn't hold a franchise or responsible and different things like that. And obviously, you know, uh, in this day and age in America, well, for as long as there's been a legal system, there's always recourse, but it's a matter of if you're going to win that recourse. Yeah, and there's also... <laughs> yeah. let's, not, let's not forget, there's <laughs> also regional
6: boards. Yeah. So, like, we in the past, in the past, we've... Uh, We've helped, helped to monitor those boards. We've helped to negotiate on behalf of those boards so that they have representation back to corporate as well. So those right. do exist, and there's checks and balances just like in anything. No, and there's also, okay, there's
5: cool. there's not a, just like in any relationship, you know, the relationship doesn't always run smoothly, and there are hiccups, and there are... Um, what people see on the street, as far as what the public wants, and you're in the store, can be different from what corporate sees. So right. I mean, um, so there it is that adversarial relationship, and and um, especially if you have multiple units, your voices tend to be a lot, a lot louder than somebody who has one or two stores.
3: So we talked about um, getting in. So the question is now, how do we get out? If we want to get out, leave. Yeah. Yeah. Are you contractually obligated, or is there commitments? You know, is, I mean, there's buy
5: sell agreements. I mean, it's just like any other business. You know, you can buy and sell. Certain franchises require approval of a particular operator. Like for example, in the car business, they're not going to sell. A, uh, a car dealership to a, a guy who has non-car experience, you know, that doesn't know how to operate a business, no matter how much wealth you have and you can afford it because it impacts their brand, it impacts the customers and impacts a lot of different things. So obviously, you know, um, you know, your exit, depending upon the size of it, you know, can be different. I mean, but if you have one store or two stores and the other thing that people fail to realize in the franchise business is your... The marketing and your point of sale system, and upgrading of Wi Fi and all those different things, those are cost, right. you know. And I've found opportunities in people who don't want to re image a certain store,
6: adapting to your current environment, yeah. Understanding well, well, yeah, we always say begin with the end in mind yeah. as well, right? So, know, know what your plan is before you go into it,
5: and then also there's re of stores, there's a certain look that a mcdonald's needs to have um when you go into when i went to a mcdonald's what 10 years 15 years ago it looks different now Correct. you know how people the enter cafe. the store yeah <laughs> the cafe there's different things so there's different costs in that and can you sustain that you know what i mean and i think another thing that people um fail to realize as well is what are my working capital needs you know people don't address that as well you know um how can i grow through um, what, what capital do I have access to? That goes back to credit. That goes back to a lot of different things. People don't address working capital. They just they just address, you know, um, entry. I need 250 for this. I need that. You know, I need a net worth of this. But do you have liquidity that you can
2: Jamal, do in that business? Yes. With all your experience, mm-hmm. and you've been in the franchising business for a long time, have you ever thought of becoming a franchisor? The idea of maybe... And you can keep this if you want to run with it. Instead of smash burger, mash burgers.
5: Um. Yeah. I, I mean.
4: Uh, um, yeah, because
5: calling them sack burgers. Yeah. Is what <laughs> sure.
4: Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah
6: exactly. So we thought burgers. about We're
4: that. Whack
5: yeah.
3: Ideas
5: come from you Um. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've I've thought about that. I mean. Um, that to me that is a. Um, I don't know if that's a franchising question as much as that's a finance question and what i mean by finance question is when you own a brand and it's grown to a global level or you have aspiration to global world it becomes a financing it becomes a deal Mm -hmm. you know i i look at that as a deal i look at that as is uh uh you're dealing with the natures of jp morgan goldman sachs You know, I mean, does the numbers make sense? I mean, you're not actually you're sitting at the board of directors level and you're acquiring something and somebody else will be running that. So to me, that's more of a mover and shaker deal than actually running a uh, unless you're taking it private, you know, and I think personally, you know, um, that that's a whole nother animal. And I've always said. You know, in order to be good at something, you're going to know exactly who you are and what you are and what time you want to spend with it and be sure and clear of what business you're in, you know. And to me, owning a global brand, that's more deal-making than anything.
2: All right. All right, Jamal. So I guess no mash. Burn. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Fine. Fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never say not never. yet. Not yet. Yeah. See, that's what I like about Jonathan. He's the advertising guy. He's not yeah, letting yeah, it go. Yeah. Jonathan's like, not yet. Not Gotta yet. Spin it. On the yeah. spin. It. Yeah. spin it. <laughs> well, say, keep it locked to two black guys with good credit. We're talking to the franchise king, Jay Mashburn, and his partner in crime, Jonathan Sackett. There's levels to this game, people. Sean and I guess. And, Dion, we just can't buy one Dunkin' Donuts. Keep it locked.
4: Matt. This commercial break is brought to you by Canvas Malibu. Canvas Malibu is a boutique and contemporary art gallery in Malibu, California. At Canvas Malibu, it starts with art, and their curated offering of shoes, apparel, accessories, and art are a definite must-see. Canvas Malibu is located in the Malibu Country Mart, or online at canvasmalibu.com. Welcome back to
2: Two Black Guys with Good Credit. We're hanging with my man Jay Mashburn and Jonathan Sackett. Now we're at the speed round. You know how it works. It's rapid fire questions and rapid fire answers. Sean, take it away,
3: my brother. Well, Jamal, as you know, we've shown you this NBA financial literacy playbook that we created because we believe that not a lot of pro athletes are financially literate. What do you think what percentage of NBA fin- players do you think are financially literate?
5: Uh I'm going to say all of them. I think um and the reason why I say all of them, they might not be financially literate in a particular space. Um um from a natural from an unnatural standpoint, what I mean by that is they're financially literate. They have an understanding, a good grasp of finance from the basic level of it, you know. Um how they utilize that information is, is another thing. I think it's the utilization and what they apply it to um, 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 that, that becomes a little suspect. But I think once you get to that particular level, you've been to high school, you've been to college, you've seen the landscape of the NCAA and the money that's made, there is more literacy than, that, than to give them credit for.
2: Jay-Z, Biggie, or Nas?
5: Oh, Biggie. Nice.
0: Raptors need to.
5: Raptors need to have LeBron tire, retire. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> any thoughts on owning an nba franchise
5: yes business is fill in the blank um business is personal
0: next project
5: making sure my my, my son graduates high school
0: nice mm.
3: jonathan this one's for you mm. Wingstop or buffalo wild rings Wingstop. <laughs> 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 that was easy
2: jamal your dad was supposed to be apollo creed
5: yeah at one point he was supposed to be uh it was between him and uh uh, Carl Weathers, and they actually, uh, my dad came in second, and they actually felt they can teach an actor how to box rather than a boxer how to act.
0: Ah. last book read?
5: Ooh, actually, it's been a while. Um, I think it was something in the, in the chapters of uh, um, in a series of Go Giver. There's a thing called Go Giver where there's a story about um,
0: versus Go Getter. Yes,
5: yes, yes. I think that was it. That was, that was my last book.
3: And Jonathan, the final question for you. Let's franchise
6: two black guys with good credit. Yes, no, maybe so. Absolutely. You know we're, we're in this together, my brother. Yeah. We're brothers from another mother.
2: Well, Jamal, from two black guys with good credit, we would like to sincerely thank you for participating in this show. I think you've given our listeners a wealth of information. Jonathan... You got to get him in that commercial spot. This man has a lot of information to share. And uh, we just want to say thank you for participating in today's show.
6: Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you. We really appreciate it. You
5: guys have been fabulous. Uh, I mean, it's been a a great experience. And and I'm glad you guys have done this uh, uh, particular podcast uh, with me. I mean, uh, uh, you guys are are wonderful. When Jonathan introduced this to me, I didn't know what it was going to be about. I understood the title, but I understood it was more than just that. And yeah. uh, you guys have impressed me uh, uh, tremendously. So good luck to you guys. And I
4: definitely will be following
5: you.
0: All. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you.
2: It means a lot. Matt, take us away.
4: Thanks, Arlington. This sponsorship break is brought to you by Clean. Clean is a financial literacy program designed to educate youth in a fun and interactive way through class lessons, workshops and web seminars. To bring it to a school or organization near you, please visit www.financiallyclean.com.
2: Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit. We've been kicking it with the franchise king, and he has proven why he deserves to wear the crown, Jamal Mashburn. Killing the game, people. My bottom line this week is simple franchising is a heck of a lot more involved than I thought. There are definitely levels to this game. And when you're on top like Jamal, life is great. But you gotta choose wisely because while you have lots of support in the franchise world, this is a serious and costly investment. And the days of the one franchise owner is over. I'm an independent operator. I own my own boutique and gallery. It either flies or flops the way I see fit. So if you're going to get into the franchise world, know the game before you end up being a pawn.
3: My bottom line is simple. The fist is stronger than the finger. I think what Jamal has shown, which I've always said, is, you know, partnership with the right partners is not bad. It's not a bad idea. When you try to do this franchise thing alone and you're this one-shop thing, I think it's a higher risk. And if you find similar people, with similar interests as you, and partner together to try to open up multiple franchises at one time, I think it gives you more leverage, it gives you more control, and I think it creates a much stronger success rate than if you're trying to do a one-and-done on your own. So my bottom line is the fist is stronger than the finger.
0: And don't forget to email us your questions to tbdwgc at gmail.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Black Guys Good Credit. And don't forget to leave us a five star review to make it easier for others to find us, like Almesh who said, informative and relatable, the fact-checking debates and humor have helped me gain a better understanding of how to manage my credit. And it has really helped me with speaking to my husband about our finances as well. Well, you know what they say, romance without finance, right? So we're so happy you're enjoying the show. Uh, Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. And that's it for me. I'm Dion, the lady with the history, the stats, and the cold, hard facts. And I'm out of here.
2: Well, people, thanks for hanging in with us. Once again, two black guys with good credit. We're giving you all we got. And you know my motto. It's the game of life. It's wants versus needs. I'm Arlington, one half of two black guys with good credit, and I'm out.
3: I'm Sean, the better half of two black guys with good credit. And as I say to you every week, Podcast people. It's your money. Keep it where it belongs, in your pocket. Talk to you soon, people. Thanks for listening. Black guys.
6: Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are
1: odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rustolium's new Custom Spray Five and One gives you control with five different spray patterns, so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven
2: coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray Five in One,
6: only from Rustolium.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
7: Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation...